So yeah, you you grew up as a as a pastor's kid or a minister's kid, so to speak. I did, did very did, much so. Did you ever have a a real faith as a teenager, or or did that come later on in life? Uh, listen, I think Matt, um, I was a really shy kid, so I I probably preferred to fit in um, with people around me than to stand out. And, and Christianity was a very I found it very difficult to to stand out, stand alone. I do remember a biology teacher talking about evolution and saying basically anyone that didn't believe in evolution was an idiot and looked straight at me, you know, in a Christian school. So, you know, I found that really difficult. I remember a guy in probably year 10 said, are you a Christian? And I probably gave a reasonable answer. I said, "Um, mate, I'm still trying to work it out. (laughs) And I I think that was, you know, small steps um, away from my faith from that sort of age into what became a long way away from, from believing. Well, we'll talk about your football career in just a moment, but let's stay on the topic of your faith. Uh, you, you had a, a, a strong you know, conversion experience, or you, you came to the Lord uh, in your 30s. Tell us how that happened. Yeah, I, I, was, um, I was working for a, a team called the Queensland Reds in Super Rugby, and the chaplain of the team was a guy called Andy Goulet um, of Red Frog fame. And Andy invited me to come down to see what they do at Surfers Paradise at Schoolies Week. And I was sort of blown away by what they were doing down there. It was it was very much what I remembered of my childhood faith of of people doing good um, just because it was good, not to be seen to be doing good, not to be walking around, you know, beating their chests and saying we're better than everyone else. 
it was just a really authentic face that I was seeing down there and, and it really challenged me in a lot of ways. I would say uh, the next year, out of the blue, I, I asked Andy if I could come to his church and I, I'd been thinking about it but I specifically hadn't thought it through and, and found myself the next morning on the way um, to church. I missed the turn-off in uh, South Brisbane and and rang Andy and said, mate, I'm lost. And as I said those words, something happened to me. <laughs> and I, I realized I was lost. And I was overcome with, with I, I, well, I didn't know what it was, emotion, I would say, is all I could describe it as. And I, I realized I was, you know, I'd, I'd gone from from being, you know, this young Christian, son of a pastor, to all of a sudden being someone that stood for nothing and compromised his whole life to fit in with what other other people wanted me to be. So that was, I guess, a, a real conviction or realisation that I'd walked a long way away from who I wanted to be. And tell us, did you eventually make it along to church? Mate, I, I did make it to church that morning, and um, interestingly enough, everything in me wanted to straight away give my life back to God, but um, I, I was convinced that I wasn't going to cry in front of these weak Christians. <laughs> I wasn't going to give them the satisfaction. And um, I also wanted to, to, you know, go away and clean up my life. You know, I thought that if if I could clean up my life, then I'd be worthy of coming back to Christ. But then I obviously realised um, Andy had given me a, a word for the day and it said, you're not meant to have the strength to make the changes. Give give your life to God and he'll give you the strength. And, and that's what I did. When you say Andy had given you the word for the day, what, what do you mean by that? that? That little booklet, Word for the Day. Oh, really? And okay. Was, yeah. So I was just... It just yeah, he gave me a little bit of material to go away with, some DVDs and some reading material, and yeah, I just something was in me was really stirring, and so I, I just yeah was reading everything I could. Well, it's a great devotional, the word for today, and uh, great to see that it impacted you, as it is impacting many people around the country. Absolutely. And uh, I, I I heard a quote recently that uh, said, you know, you don't clean yourself before you get in the shower; you get in the shower to get clean. And that's what it means when you come to Christ. You don't have to clean up your life. You've got to come to Christ, and then he helps clean it up. Is, is that Was that what happened with you? Oh, absolutely, mate. Yeah, I, you know, I think I had that perception that I think, you know, people outside the church have, that Christians are meant to be perfect. And then we come into church and we realize that's definitely not true because none of us are. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that was, a, I mean, that was a, a good good moment of, of clarity too that, you know, that you can put a lot of pressure on yourself when you come into church and all of a sudden you're expected to be perfect. I was still coaching first grade rugby in, in Brisbane and I was still abusing referees and, you know, I knew it was wrong, but um, it took a long time before I, I was able to get that sort of thing under control. And tell us, did all of your family and relatives notice the change in your life? Uh, friends did, yeah. Um, I, I was living away from home then, but uh, I think the first mum and dad realised was they found the uh, baptism certificate in the back of my car. So, yeah, they were pretty excited. Let's uh, backtrack a bit to your career. So tell us how you became to be a Wallaby. Uh, yeah, so I guess it's a, a long story, but um, I, I was born uh, pigeon-toed and, and with bent bones. Um, so, you know, I wasn't sort of born an ideal athletic specimen. But uh, I guess when I, I got out of those, I, I had some calipers, not as impressive as Forrest Gump, but, but calipers to straighten my feet. And um, I guess when I got out of those, I just loved the freedom of running. So I used to just love 
exercise, love running around. You know, you, as a, a pastor's kid, you've got a big churchyard to, to run around. You also have to mow it, but you get to, to run around it. So I just love sport. And I guess also because I was shy, it, it enabled me to be someone else. It was almost an escape from being that shy kid to being a really capable and competent um, man. So, uh, yeah, I sort of got right into it. And then I, I moved to Sydney and played for Randwick. It took me a few years to sort of get a regular spot in first grade. And then all of a sudden rugby went professional out of the blue in uh, 1996. And um, Rod McQueen called me to, to come down and play for the ACT Brumbies. And after a year, the, the Wallabies uh, had a few injuries and I got called up. So amazing experience. And, and it's funny how you can go from from really being a nobody to all of a sudden being on television and people perceiving you as being all of a sudden more important than you were. And I noticed on your website uh, there's a news clip uh, where you were disciplined in the team for drinking too much. Tell us what happened. It was in a, a tour at the end of 97. I'd just been dropped from the team and it was a, a wonderful tour to Argentina uh, where I was experiencing the nightlife and uh, I wasn't playing very well either and Rod McQueen pulled me aside and said listen I, I want you to have a, an early night tonight the team's getting picked soon and he pulled me up on the bus the next morning and said you know I heard you heard you came home at 7am or whatever time it was and that's not good enough and yeah the next day I think I was sent home from the tour so you know it's it's funny that something you wanted all your life is there and you're actually experiencing it and, and all I needed to do was work harder but I, I compromised it for for the grog Bit of a wake-up call, hey? Yeah, I guess it was in a lot of ways. I mean, it was it was a difficult period being dropped. I also got sin-binned in the last game I started for Australia for a late tackle and had been bagged in the press. Um, I'd gone into a newsagent and opened up the the magazine and, and seen that I was Goose of the Year, 1997 as well, for a sporting magazine, not just rugby. So that, that really actually hit me pretty hard because, you know, you, journalists, always feel like they can write about your performance and that's what they're paid to do but they also feel like they can write about your character and so you know I really felt that in that period I felt quite humiliated of, of what was said and that I'd embarrassed my family and friends so yeah from that perspective and then getting sent home from tour that was just another another thing on top of building up so yeah it was a really challenging time I guess and uh, I learned a lot but still probably not enough now, I understand that uh, Nick Farr-Jones has quite a strong Christian faith. Was he ever a mentor or a role model to you back in those days? Or? No, he wasn't. No, I, I didn't know. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of Christians in the team then. Um, the doctor, actually, of the Wallabies, John Best, used to ho- um, hold Bible studies. Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember Bestie, as I was walking out of the, the medical room one night, saying, hey, Jimmy, we're having a bit of a Bible study tonight. Are you keen on coming? I said, not a chance, buddy. I'm going out. And I, and I remember it. Uh, he said to me, you know, he's going to get you one day, isn't he? And I contacted him when uh, when I came to faith and he, and he was in tears, you know, just with, you know, remembering, I guess, who I was and, and what's happened. What a great testimony, mate. He, he got you eventually, hey? Yes, he did get me, yeah. Uh, that's good. I think C.S. Lewis 
uh, said uh, that uh, the hound of heaven was after him. Uh, I was just <laughs> reading about his biography the other day that he was at Oxford University and he had uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and a oh, couple wow. of other well-known authors and, and professors speaking into his life. And he said, I love these guys, but the problem is they're all Christians. <laughs> and he said, the hound of heaven was after me. And eventually he came to the Lord and, and we know the rest is history with C.S. Lewis. Oh, absolutely. Now let's hear a bit more of your story. So what do you do now? You, you speak in schools. You're, uh, you've been a guest presenter at many different things. What's your, what's your main focus these days? Yeah, I guess um, a lot of it's based on my story. So uh, I speak in schools on identity, as you could probably hear, you know, about not compromising, standing, being a person of um, substance and character. Um, I speak then, obviously, about alcohol. That's another part of, I guess, the story. Um, I speak a little bit about resilience and um, setbacks, which I was injured for six years after um, being sin-binned and, and dropped. So I didn't finish another game in my professional career for six years. So... That's a uh, that's a brutal process. I speak a little bit on on that, and, and obviously some some stuff around, particularly boys on on character. So that they're the sort of things I speak about, and then obviously in churches, similar sort of themes, and just with a a, a Christian um, focus. Well, it's so good to have uh, a former Wallaby as uh, such a great role model. Uh, that uh, term is bandied around sport circles a lot, role models. And, mm. uh, you know, some players don't like to be role models. Some players are happy to be used as a role model. Uh, but, you know, with the with the culture of drinking and, and violence and, you know, the, the boys club uh, in, in footy teams, uh, there, there are a lot of sport players, sport you know, a lot of footy players that aren't good role models for our kids. How important is it, do you think, that our younger generation have good role models? Yeah, it's, you just have to look at the television screen at the moment, isn't it? And even, I guess, we grew up with Superman who was, you know, ultimately good. And now the, you know, the creative people of Hollywood create characters that have both good and a lot of bad in them. So mm. it's, it's sort of become quite clouded in, in that sort of sense. And, and the footy sense as well, you know, it's obviously a great thing to in, in the sporting thing to, to see some, you know, even after games of seeing the Christian guys kneel down and, and pray. What, a, what an amazing stance of faith those guys are having for, for young Christians that, you know, like me that was asked, are you a Christian? And, and saying, I'm still trying to work it out. Well, when you see, you know, these, these footy guys standing up and, and being strong in their faith, it's easier for a young guy to, to say the same thing. What did you think of those uh, Rugby Sevens guys in the, in the Olympics from Fiji praying? Wasn't that incredible, eh? Yeah, I found it uh, very, uh, very humbling to see their response. They're, you know, they're just such amazing people. I mean, I did see some some people that, that came out with how could you ever bow down to anyone and, and that sort of thing. And I understand that those that have you know, been stood over in the past probably find that a difficult position to be in. But, but for me, it was just a, a sign of just an amazing respect from them. And then to obviously to sing their, their song with such great pride was, um, was a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Now, mate, before we wrap it up, uh, you know, if people want to find out more, your website is jamesholbeck.com. Uh, people can book you, uh, you know, as a as a presenter at schools or you do coaching, you do corporate, you know, speaking and speaking. Yeah, in, some, you know. some youth groups and, and churches as well, men's groups. Um, yeah, I, I consult to a few sporting people and and the likes. So, yes, it's sort of all sort of kicking off still. It's still early days and still trying to find the exact level, I guess, between 
the schools and, and the Christian faith. It's, it seems to be such a, a fine line of, you know, going one one way. It's easy to sort of slip into the schools and and not be speaking about any of your faith. So I guess I'm still trying to find that balance. But um, yeah, you know, I, I'm passionate about the next generation not falling for the same mistakes I fell for. Well, it's a it's a great example of uh, you turning your life around uh, when when you came to the Lord. And thanks for sharing your testimony. You know, for people that are listening now that have never actually heard the gospel, that don't understand the good news, would you share with our listeners what is the gospel and how do people respond to it? For me, it's um, we all sin and fall short, and so point the finger at anyone but uh, the whole reason Jesus came to earth was to, to give his life and to save us from our sins so that's an amazing it's an amazing act for me and I, you know, I think about it in rugby terms of someone throwing their body on the line and um, in the old days when you used to be able to use your boots to ruck someone out of the way that's like someone throwing themselves on, on top of you and covering you so for me it's, a, it's an amazing thing that um that Jesus did and, and just by having faith and, and believing in him that our sins are saved and we have an everlasting life so yeah it's a beautiful message well it's been wonderful to catch up with you today James Holbeck I reckon you're history maker thanks for your time thanks very much Matt appreciate it thanks for joining us on History Makers if you'd like to listen to this interview again just go to historymakers.tv there you'll find links to Facebook Twitter and Instagram you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips and you can find out about History Makers TV we are a faith based ministry and we appreciate every donation you know the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world if you'd like to partner with us send us an email info at historymakersradio.com God bless you have an awesome day I'm Matt Prater and why don't you go and make history History Makers History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor.